At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible. With a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. All right, I am Mark Meinke, I am your host, and today we are talking about what it's like to live with PTSD, at least what it's been like for me. No guests on the show today, uh, just me, no notes, doing my best to talk with you as if you're sitting across the table and we're having a coffee and we're sharing our deep darks with each other. Living with PTSD sucks. Uh, life is tough no matter who you are. We all go through struggles. That's what life is. Life is a struggle. But going through life with post-traumatic stress disorder or an OSI, an operational stress injury, interchangeable terms really, makes a tough life a whole lot tougher. So when I first got back from the war in Croatia, way back in the day, nobody was talking about it. And nobody was trained to spot and deal with PTSD or OSIs. When I got home, even uh, halfway through the tour, I did my United Nations leave and I was able to come back to Canada for about 16 days, if I remember correctly, which is really, really good. So you work basically for three months, you get a couple weeks off, then you go back to the war. It's a bit of a shock to the system. I probably shouldn't have come back to Canada. It was uh, just too much of contrast. But when I came back, uh, the girlfriend I was with at the time, we went on a road trip. And we were going through Montana, and as I had to pull over, to take a leak. Uh, the only place to go was in the ditch. And I'm on the edge of the pavement looking at the ditch in terror. And she said, what's your, what's your problem? Well, I just walk into the ditch and do your business. Well, cause it was grass. And I just came from the most heavily landmined area in the world or one of them anyway. And walking on the grass is a big no, no. You walk on the grass, you blow up. And that was ingrained in all of us. So I forced myself to, to walk on the grass and do my business, but it was not easy. And of course I didn't realize that, uh, that heightened state of vigilance would stick with me or how it would affect my life at all. When I got out of the army, I went to college and I'd take the bus every day from, uh, the suburb into the downtown where the, uh, the college campus was and every single day on the bus, I'd be sizing up everybody on the bus. I'd be sitting in a strategic position so I could see everybody. Nobody could sneak up behind me. And I'd be doing combat scenarios in my head all the time. If person A gets violent, uh, if, if he's by himself, this is how I'll deal with it. Um, depending on his height, body type, disposition, this is how I would take this person out. Uh, these are the weapons of opportunity that, that are available. If it's a group of people, depending on the group of people, if it's uh, uh, group A or group B or group 
group C, depending on the dynamics, I would take them out uh, this way or that way. And these combat uh, scenarios, these uh, catastrophization, the worst possible case scenario kept running in my head constantly, 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 and it never, ever ended. And I didn't know why. I just knew that it was exhausting and I couldn't get it out of my head. I'm constantly in physical conflict in my mind with everybody around me on, on a heightened state of alert. So this doesn't just happen to war veterans, not at all. What happens is that after you've been in a situation where you've been in an extreme fight or flight response, or you've been in a fight or flight response for a prolonged period of time, not just a singular event, what tends to happen with a lot of folks is an OSI, an operational stress injury, which is that heightened sense of awareness. That, think of it as hitting the gas, putting the gas pedal to the floor. You need to get out of danger with your car, so you stomp on it. And you give it all the gas that it has to get yourself out of a danger. Well, now imagine that the gas pedal is stuck to the floor, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just stuck, and that supercharged engine is just roaring down the road, and you're driving the car. Well, you've got a couple of choices. You can either drive that car into a wall to stop it, or you drive it till it runs out of gas. And that's kind of what it's like to have an OSI. You're always on at a heightened state. Uh, heightened state. After I got back from the war zone, I uh, often, right around two or three in the afternoon, I would get a great big speed wobble and get hit with an incredible amount of fatigue, and I would have to lay down. There was just no way around it. I couldn't fight through it. I'd have to lay down and crash. Well, apparently this is pretty darn common because my gas pedal was always on the floor. So my, I would run out of gas right around two in the afternoon, and I'd have to lay down for 20 minutes to an hour to sort of recharge my batteries, then get going again. But it's more than just the physical exhaustion and the nightmares, which absolutely suck. It's the heightened state of awareness also unconsciously uh, has you a little bit irritable. <laughs> uh, my wife, a couple, uh, over the last few days, uh, she's often, she's been saying uh, here and there, Mark, what's what's with that look on your face? What's wrong? I'm like, this is just my face. <laughs> this is what it looks like, and I'm not particularly in a bad mood. This is this is just my uh, my my somber face. There's nothing wrong, really. But uh, a lot of us get th get that. So it doesn't matter what put that gas pedal to the floor. What um, what the modality of trauma was. It doesn't have to be a war zone. You don't have to be a cop or a paramedic or a firefighter to have your, the gas pedal stomped to the floor. It can happen to anybody. And when that throttle gets stuck on full, whether it's uh, sexual trauma, whatever, this translates to your whole life because you're always on. You're always in that hypervigilant state, um, ready to defend yourself, ready to throw fists with, with whoever. And there, it comes across as anger, quite often. Sometimes it comes across as an extreme depression and anger or one or the other, but anger seems to be the thing because you're always just uh, ready to boil over. We often talk about the trauma cup 
And most people, I believe, their trauma cup is about a third full. So it takes a pretty good smack uh, for that cup to spill over and and become a problem, make a mess. Well, for those with um, operational stress injuries, that trauma cup is right at the brim. It has like a meniscus. So you only just got to touch it and it spills over. And when it spills over, that is going to look to everybody else like a blowout or a yelling match or punching a locker or punching a hole in the wall or just getting really, really angry or having mad face all day, being having that really, really short fuse. So this is a big problem with your life if you're always in that state or often in that state more than others. It's tough on relationships with everybody that you love or everybody that you're trying to love. It is tough to keep a job because if you feel pushed, anybody, most healthy people, if you're mentally healthy, you can take a bit of pushing. You can take a a bit of uh, being bullied. But if you are in fight or flight mode all the time, a little bit of bullying from the boss or something that you perceive as not right or not correct, you're going to push back. Pushing back is a bad idea if you're pushing back against the person that's signing your paychecks. So a lot of us end up not being able to keep a job. I myself have gone through jobs like shit through a goose. It just... (laughs) um, and not because of uh, incompetence or anything else it or lack of work ethic. I've lost a whole lot of jobs because I push back when I should probably keep my damn mouth shut. As Ron White, the comedian, said, I was pulled over by the police officer and he said I had the right to remain silent. But what I lacked was the ability. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I might know something about that. An OSI screws your life up so bad because the the, the compounding po- um, the compounding issues that happen. So you lose a job, that sucks. That's a pretty traumatic event for anybody, especially if you really like that job. You lose that job, but then you get back on that horse, pull up your socks, and you get another job, and then you get fired again, and that hurts even more because you're starting to see a trend here. Pull up your boots, take a deep breath, get another job. Six months later, you're on the road again, fired again. Well, how many times do you think uh, most people can do that? Keep getting a job, getting fired, getting a job, getting fired before they just give up. And they just don't have the strength or the resilience to try one more time. Because what's the point? What's the point of trying one more time if you're going to end up getting fired and feeling that horrible pain again? That's why some people are uh, confirmed bachelors, whether you're male or female, bachelorette, Um, because they've been had so many failed relationships that they just can't go through that rejection one more time. So screw it. Just going to be single forever. And it's like that if you keep getting kicked out of a job again and again and again. You 
I <laughs> um, would really struggle with that. I mean, it hurt. And the last uh, uh, job that I lost, and they didn't get, provide a, an explanation. I, I had to infer. I had to guess. And with the guessing comes a whole lot of second guessing. Uh, either way, it hurts and it sucks, which is why I have been for a very long time an entrepreneur. I'm my own boss, and if I get fired by a client, I'll just go get another client. It's no big deal. But for some reason, uh, when you are an entrepreneur, you're in a different position. You're not in um, in a hierarchical uh, uh, position. It's it's more of a level playing field. And I get along great with clients. I rarely, rarely butt heads with a client. It usually goes really, really well. And uh, that's why I have a uh, fantastically loyal client base. I get to get along with them. Bosses, however, not so much. So a lot of us end up being truck drivers. So, so we just get left alone. Just leave us alone to do our thing. Another chunk of us become police officers, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Um, and there's a, a couple of famous soldiers, or one in particular, I, I won't name them, but he is a world-famous dude because of some of his exploits in Afghanistan. Uh, he got fired from being a cop because he was still too much of a soldier. And when the soldier part of him came out at the wrong time, well, that was too much. And he got fired from, from the police service. So right now, he's an entrepreneur. So we can't get fired. Uh, so many of us struggle. And now, again, you don't have to be a soldier for this to be true. This can be anybody that suffered from trauma, that uh, has the gas pedals stuck on full, st strapped with hypervigilance and irritability or depression or both. It sucks. It really sucks. Uh, and there's so many compounding factors, like the lack of sleep is incredibly common. You go into the OSI community, people that have OSIs, and very, very common, they don't sleep for shit. So you're tired, and anybody's going to be irritable when they're always tired. But you're tired and you have high anxiety. It all goes together, and it's just a, a damned hot mess. Then on top of all that, uh, therapy is brutal. I'm recording this episode on a Monday afternoon. And I've been going to therapy for three years on Tuesday mornings. Well, it's uh, my wife steers clear of me on Mondays because on Mondays I uh, I'm at a heightened level of anxiety because therapy sucks. It's necessary, but it sucks. It's so hard and uh, can mess me up for two or three days after. Which is why um, a lot of people don't stick with therapy. So living with an OSI means difficulty maintaining relationships, any kind of relationships, professional or, or, or personal, which means difficulty having a job, keeping a job, which means difficulty um, having a steady income. That's one of the reasons that there's a Veterans Association food bank. There's actually two Veterans Food Banks in Calgary, which is interesting because there's no other Veterans Food Banks in the country. There's two in the entire country, and they're both in Calgary. But the reason that there has to be a specific Veterans Food Bank is for the reasons that I've laid out here. Um, when you keep losing a job, uh, you, you just can't keep that job. Then, well, what are you going to do for an income? 
a lot of uh, uh, veterans end up homeless. In the United States, it's estimated about one out of four or one out of five homeless people are military veterans. And a good chunk of them are combat veterans suffering from mental health issues uh, without any avenues for help. Or at least they're not aware of help or they're not well enough to get the help. It's sort of a compounding problem there as well. Uh, Some people, because of their operational stress injuries, that injury itself precludes them from being able to get help because they get in with, uh, if they do see a therapist, they are simply not in the headspace to accept the help, to follow the direction, to go to that dark, vulnerable space where you share and process the trauma. It sucks. Not all of us can be helped. Not all, we have a screening pro- process for our uh, peer support group. Not everybody's ready for it. There are people that will just simply be too damn disruptive and they will wreck the group. So we don't let them in. So where the hell do they go now? It's a tough problem. It's part of the reason why I have Operation Tango Romeo. For people that would um, wreck the room or just cannot click with a therapist, at least they have this. They can listen to it on their own time, when they want to, in the privacy of their own home or going for a drive or walking the dog. When they're ready, in their own time. And they can listen to it again and again and again. That's why I made this uh, this podcast, Operation Tango Romeo. I hope that this has been helpful, and if any of this stuff is familiar to you, please reach out for help. If you can't stand any therapist, counselor, psychologist, social worker, if you just can't stand it because you're not ready for it, listen to these episodes again and again. Read some personal development books. Read the one I wrote. It's called Why Not Me? The Keys to Unlock Your Power and Release Your Potential. I didn't know it at the time, but that book saved my life because to write it, I had to read an assload of other personal development books. And then I put it through the mark filter. What I didn't realize when I was writing it is that that was my own survival. That's how I made it through. It's how I didn't commit suicide because I kept myself focused on positive healing modalities. And that's what came out in that book. Lots of military references in there as well. Anyway, folks, uh, is all I got to say today. I do appreciate you tuning in, and I need your support. I need your help. If uh, you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, well, excellent. I hope you've seen some value. But please share it. I know it's embarrassing to share because by sharing, it's uh, some people are worried about having a stigma. Oh, geez, if I share it, people are going to know that I'm listening to this podcast. Well, that's exactly why I tell everybody that I'm in therapy and I'm not shy about it. I tell everybody that I'm suffering from an OSI and I'm not shy about it. The more you talk about it, the more it helps remove the stigma. The more you share this podcast or one like it, if if there's another one which you prefer, if it's related to mental health and you share it, you're helping reduce the stigma, just by sharing it. It opens up the conversation. 
And I need help, folks. I need help to get this out to as many people as possible. It is is for military veterans, first responders, and their families, and the families. Some couples listen to every single episode of this so that they can sit down after the fact and talk to each other and say, honey, uh, what we just heard, is that you too? Like, do you feel that way too? Is that going on in your head too? Oh, I didn't understand before, but now I understand. Living with somebody who has an OSI is not easy. It isn't. Um, Before I wrap up, uh, when your cup, your trauma cup is right at the brim, little things seem like big things. I've been accused of being dramatic. When... (laughs) Uh, I can see how it would look that way, but uh, that's not really what's going on. What it is is I'm just feeling bigger. I'm, 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 I have big, big feelings about little things because what appears to be a little thing actually has a whole lot attached to it. So in my mind, it's some, something much bigger than what it actually appears on the outside. And it blinds you. Because when emotion is high, rationale is low. When emotion is high, rationale is low. So that's why when you are having a really big feeling, it is really difficult to evaluate that feeling and your situation to see whether or not it's justified, whether or not you're overreacting. Because when you're Emotion is high, your rationale is low. And I tell you, it's tough to find somebody with higher emotions than somebody suffering from an OSI. Everything's a big deal. Everything's a big deal. And gets blown out of a proportion, but you can't see it. So if somebody says, man, settle down, you're blowing that out of proportion. You're just going to get more mad. Because you think it's a big, big deal. And it might take a week, might take two weeks before you're able to go, oh, that really wasn't a big deal at all. The hell is wrong with me? Why did I think that that was such a big deal? And it's not. And of course, there's so many of us that (laughs) never do come to that conclusion, that self-reflection, that ability to look in the mirror and admit You might have been overreacting. Whoops. Bummer. It's tough to admit when you're wrong or when you've overreacted. It's really difficult. All right, so I'm going to wrap this one up then. Uh, Again, thank you for listening. Please share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible, with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. 